Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Fighting Preacher, brought to you by Purdy Distribution. For middleweight boxing champion Willard Bean, a 25-year mission in anti-Mormon Palmyra was his longest, toughest fight. Here's Doug Wright on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to the program today. We're going to talk about a brand new movie that will be uh, coming up and released this summer. And it's a delight to have a filmmaker, to have the, uh, the author of the book that inspired the film, and also one of the great actresses from The Fighting Preacher. And T.C. Christensen is here with me. T.C., we've known each other for such a long time. What a pleasure to have you on the program today. Thank you. This is one of the funnest things for me in releasing the films. I get to come and talk to Doug for a while. Oh, that's so yeah. kind of you to, to say that because I have, I've admired your work and I've even worked with you on a few things. You know, back in the old uh, commercial production days, uh, TC had the challenge of actually trying to work with me and actually make me look halfway decent. And you succeeded as much as was humanly possible with the raw material you had to work with. Took and a, took a stack of filters. Yeah, a stack of filters and heaven knows how many takes. TC, you've got to tell us about Fighting Preacher. How in the world did you find this story? I, I showed this to Rand, the author. We'll be talking with him in just a moment. But right at the top, after I watched a little bit of the film, I jotted this note. Where does this story come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good question, because this really, Doug, this is the most entertaining church history story you've never heard of. Yeah. It really is. And after we did 17 Miracles, Kelly Meekham, a friend of mine, sent me a book and said, hey, look at this. You should look at this. And I read it, and I really liked it. I was very zippity about the story, but I couldn't get my arms around it. I didn't know how to tell the story, and I put it away. And then over the years, I've be, I'll bet I've had 50 people approach me and say, you need to do this. And so I looked into it again a year and a half ago, and I thought, you know what, you're right. And then we took off with it. It is an amazing story. And uh, being a lifelong member of the church, and uh, we've had family here in Utah since practically the very beginning. Uh, one part of my family, actually not first company, but 1847. And I went, where has this story been? Because it's fascinating. This is the story of a 25-year mission. And obviously, we'll talk with Rand, who is the, the author, a little bit more about this. But it is an incredible story. Listen to this cut. As citizens of this community, we had a meeting this evening. It is the feeling of all who live here that you are to leave Palmyra. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. So, listen to me. 
We're here to stay. Even if we have to fight our way. Now I can take you one at a time or three at once. Whatever makes you happier. Well, come on! When you decided that you maybe could wrap your arms around this, where did you start? How did you put this together? Well, first thing I always do is just start with a script. So I, this, I got very excited one night laying there thinking about the story, and I got some ideas about it. Hey, this would work. This would work if I flopped this. And, did. and the next morning I got up and just started bam, 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 and writing it and laying out kind of how I could tell the story. And then it just started to unfold and got to a point where I started showing it to other people, partners, Ron Tanner and so forth. And and everybody was, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And your reaction, why haven't we known about yeah. this story? So then we took off. I mean, it's not often you have a 24-plus year, just shy of 25-year mission for a couple. No, it isn't <laughs> often. It, it's the longest mission ever served in the church. In That's the incredible. Department. Yes, yes. How did this compare to the other films? You know, one thing that we ought to mention at this point, TC has made now five films, right? Uh -huh. And uh, I've enjoyed each and every one of them. Has this one been more or less difficult to, uh, as you mentioned, at mm -hmm. first it was a little daunting. You wondered if you could get your arms around it. Once you got rolling on it, was it, you know, harder, 17 Miracles, Cokeville? What, yeah. Where does it stand? In terms of the difficulty, this was a breeze. It really, it just all came together. We scheduled it. We found a great cast, and we just went after it. And there really weren't that many difficult, you know, you always hear about, oh, it's a miracle this film got made. This one really went very smoothly, and it was a pleasure from start to finish. Well, sometimes you find yourself shooting in swamps. You find yourself yeah. shooting in inclement weather, fighting the weather, fighting streams, fighting the cold, the snow, and everything else. Not a whole lot of that in this one. No, we didn't have that. I did have to wait in line for craft services a few times. That's about <laughs> as bad as it got for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When when you laid out the the movie, how much of it is is shot back in Palmyra? This is the story of a couple sent back there mm -hmm. to uh, kind of reestablish things, uh, claim some of the church's property that uh, or the property that now is part of the church and that they wanted to to acquire. But where is all this shot? We, as much as we'd like to go back and do it all back in Palmyra, it's just not practical for a low-budget film. We want to stay home and, and have the state incentive, which really helps us. And so the truth is there aren't that many scenes that are done in Palmyra, but I hope I hope that we've done it in a way that the viewer feels like it is filmed back there because we pepper these other shots in that are from Palmyra, and then we do a lot of work that we're, we're making it feel, period, like it is mm -hmm. 1915, and, and I think people will accept it. Where we are uh, in the Sacred Grove or seeing the Hill Cumorah, is is that what we're really seeing there? I have yeah. never been there. Oh, no, I, really? I, I haven't, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we went back and we filmed uh, on the Hill Camorra in, we don't film in the Sacred Grove. Uh, it, it, I've worked on several church films where we were doing uh, pieces of that, and it's just better to go to a different grove. Because you, either, you know how movies are. you got people in there, hey, get that light over here. <laughs> right, right. That's not as good for the Sacred Grove. So there's an, another grove that is 
almost identical, and that's where we go and film. Back in that general yeah. area? Mm-hmm. In Palmyra. That, that is so fascinating. I'm, I'm curious. The cut that I saw of the movie, and I'm looking forward to seeing this on the big screen, I saw it on a, a link mm-hmm. and on you know my, my computer screen. So the credits weren't rolling. It was a rough cut. TC, where there are some great scenes. And as I mentioned, unfortunately, I've been to a lot of the church locations, but I've never been to Palmyra, never been to the Hill Cumorra, Sacred Grove, and, and so on. So where were some of these great scenes shot when we see people on buggies and we see somebody trucking down a, you know, a hill with a shotgun? Where, where are we? Well, we, we actually found locations in and around Utah. We did quite a bit at the This is the Place Monument park you know up mm-hmm. there and just some other areas and then of course we did go to palmyra and we filmed back there for several days and got a lot of great shots that i th- hope then the viewer can look at it and go yeah we really are in palmyra right how historic is palmyra still today for those who are listening that are like me and have never been there what, what what's still left well there's the church history sites are terrific you know they've maintained them very well uh the city's grown up uh it's not what i'd call an ultra modern city but boy you get the feel of what it would have been like in 1915 with uh, willard and rebecca bean for sure we'll talk more with Rand packer about the story itself and the reception that the bean the bean family got when they were initially back there what reception did you get in palmyra what are the vibes today well, you know, they've come a long way, and the beans were a great part of that. But I, I have to tell you that we I was doing a church film where we were filming on the property there at uh, Palmyra, the Smith Farm, and I was up on a crane, and I saw a car coming, and I hear this guy's yell out of the car, Go home, you dirty Mormons! Beep, really? Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, that's about... 15 years ago that that happened and then they turned around and came back and did the same thing <laughs> did the again. same thing again so there, there's still some you know animosities there but uh, i think willard and rebecca made great strides I, I thought it was so interesting when they actually received the calling from president joseph f smith which of course is portrayed in the movie beautifully we're supposed to be in richfield right yes, uh, that uh, what did you shoot that in richfield no no nope. <laughs> you know, we stayed home everybody stays in their own beds and we get it done here yeah, yeah. but when he made the call uh, there was some offhanded comment like like, well, it's been X number of years. Mm-hmm. What was it? Eighty-five. Eighty-five years. You know, basically, how bad could it be? Wow. Yeah, it was chilly. Just kind of looks down and goes. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I, I love the line yeah. when he calls them to the mission. He goes, "So you want us to go?" And the the president makes a comment like, "Well, the brethren and I we talked about it and." It would be just too costly to move it back here or something. You to really that did watch the movie. Uh, yeah. yeah d- that's d- good. D- did President yeah. Smith actually say that? No. no that, that's it's a great true. line, though. He should have said that. Yeah. yeah that, that. I should have been his rider. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What was the most challenging thing for you as a filmmaker who put so much heart and soul into these movies that mm. you make? What was the hardest thing for you? You know, it's always the struggle with money. Just to try to make a, you know, we're competing with these films that cost a hundred million dollars, oh, and people are going to go to the box office and decide whether to see that or see my little teeny offering, and to to be able to uh, put good good material on the screen. Uh, here's my challenge: is I, they have to be engrossed in the story. If they are, yeah. they'll forgive me for the lower production and no big-name stars and all of that. 
and that's what I really struggle with is making sure the story is strong. A lot of people don't know that uh, in in a movie where, say, for example, there is is gunplay or things get broken, just what each and every one of those little charges where, you know, a bullet hits a cement wall or something, allegedly, Mm -hmm. just how much that costs. And if you're on a smaller budget movie, you've got to weigh the cost of each and every one of those. You know, and one of the costs may be interesting to you for us with that is I was determined this is going to be a PG movie. And you do very much of that, and it's a PG-13 movie. That's right. They don't, the violence and guns and all of that stuff we really worry about, and we really scale that down. Let's talk about when this film will come out, and we'll revisit that a little later on in our program today. But we were chatting about this. When are you going to release this film? What's better? Pioneer Day. Exactly. Willard and Rebecca were pioneers in a very real sense, and so that we're going to pay homage to them with that. So The Fighting Preacher will come out in, in theaters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there there's a big conversation and even an argument, uh, even Steel, Steven Spielberg's involved in this nowadays, about how films are released and what should qualify them for the Academy Awards and what, for example, is the difference between a theatrical release and a, a made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. And, boy, we're we're in kind of no-man's land right now with all the streaming and everything, even Disney getting into that. But you've got to see films on the big screen. I'm still an old-school, hardcore believer in that. And we that's what we're going for. We're not doing a release, going right to Netflix or something else. We're doing a theatrical re- release. We hope people will come and support us in the theater. Now, the exhibitors are a very important part of this equation. Unfortunately, in our area, we have some great, very sympathetic uh, mm-hmm. distributors. So you're planning on having a fairly good release coming up in uh, in July? Yeah, enough that any Anybody along the Wasatch Front will have a theater near them. Okay. Let's take a brief break. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with T.C. Christensen, but we'll also be talking with the author of A Lion and a Lamb that this story is based on. And the title is A Lion and a Lamb. And it's the true story, this is the subtitle, of a young couple's 24-year mission, almost 25-year mission, to return the LDS Church to its birthplace. And Rand Packer will be coming up in just a moment. Stay with us. Fighting Preacher, brought to you by Purdy Distribution. Back to Doug Wright on KSL News Radio. And welcome back to the program. It's so good to have you along to talk about The Fighting Preacher. This is a movie that will be coming out in the summer, right around Pioneer Day. And uh, I, I was pointing out to both T.C. Christensen, who, of course, is uh, on the making of the film side, you're the screenwriter, you are the director. Any other titles you're claiming on this one, T.C.? Well, I, during all of this, I have to keep my wife happy, too. That's, that's right. The, that's the big title. So great husband is, is in the credits somewhere. I'll get No, that, you're not going to put no. that in there. No. But, but we also have the author of the book that inspired this movie. The title of the book is A Lion and a Lamb, the true story of a young couple's 24-year mission to return to, uh, to return the LDS Church to its birthplace. Rand Packer is here with us. Rand, thank you so very, very much. My pleasure. Thank you. I showed you this when I ran into you down in our lobby, and I mentioned it to TC. Where in the world does this story come from? And the first thing you were kind enough to do, you handed me a copy of your book, and this is where that story has uh, has come from. Where did you come upon this? Why has this been a passion for you? 
Well, it, uh, it's mainly a passion for me because uh, Willard and Rebecca are my grandparents. Really? And the little girl that is born to them in the Joseph Smith home is my mother, Palmyra. Oh, my goodness. And so I had available to me all of his, most of his writings and his autobiography, his biography and uh, writings that he made and did, and his wife also, a few of hers. And so those were available to me. And uh, the first day after I retired from church education, I decided to write it. I'm so glad you did, because as T.C. mentioned, this is one of the greatest church stories that nobody's ever heard. And I absolutely loved watching this movie, and I'm so looking forward to reading the book. I want to play a little clip from the movie here, T.C., and Mm -hmm. and also, Rand, we we were talking about when this young couple went back there, somewhere in in his mind, he had the idea, it's been 85 years, you know, how, how much animosity could still be there. Well, listen to this. As citizens of this community, we had a meeting this evening. It is the feeling of all who live here that you are to leave Palmyra. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. So, you listen to me. We're here to stay, even if we have to fight our way. Now, I can take you one at a time or three at once, whatever makes you happier. Well, come on! Boy, talk about a tough crowd. Right there, since you could only hear the sound... This is the reception committee that greets this young couple, knocks on the door rather energetically, and basically gives them the bad news. Brutal. Yeah. Tough place. And how long did, in the movie, I mean, we're we're talking until, you know, your, your mother is born, six years at least before there was even a crack in the thaw. Well, it, uh, sometimes it takes a long time to overcome hatred, and uh, making friends is a big part of that. Uh, people, when they don't know who someone is and they're not acquainted with them, and find out that really, in all reality, there is really something good about all people, yeah. if you can just find it and have the time to to study and to learn and to get acquainted with people. And so it took some time. It took more time than anybody wanted, but it took some time. I was really intrigued with the title of the movie. I, I again, not being familiar with the story, I thought, well, okay, The Fighting Preacher. I wonder what this is all about. And TC kind of teases us through, unless you do know something about the story, we, we find out just what a great fighter this guy <laughs> indeed was. Tell us a little bit about this aspect of, of your yeah, grandpa. Yeah, he was very athletic, and he loved to fight. And one thing about uh, Willard, he was not afraid of anything or anybody. And he served a number of missions in the church and was used to people not agreeing with him and not liking him because of what he believed and what church he belonged to. But uh, he w- he never backed down. He was never taught to back down. And he always took advantage of every opportunity he had to defend the church and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he kind of thrived on this stuff. Yeah. He loved uh, loved the challenge of defending what he knew was right and what he knew was true. I remember when I was just a kid, and I was with my family, my grandpa in particular, and we were actually at the swimming pool at Saratoga, at the resort at the time, and he introduced me to Gene Fulmer, and that was a thrill for me. I mean, even as a little kid, I knew who Gene Fulmer was, and your grandpa was a a renowned fighter. He was. He was. In fact, I saw Gene Fulmer box one day at BYU in a practice session and uh, he hit he hit so hard yeah. i don't know how anybody could withstand that well willard was much the same way he fought professionally he was a professional boxer and so uh he learned to use his fists and he was not afraid to use his fists 
fists if he had to. And so that's the way Willard thought, and he would defend this no matter what. So he was a different kind of missionary. Oh, this yeah. This is not your regular missionary story. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, know, missionaries doing that today. You know, th- th- there's a scene where, you know, he is being berated walking along the street, and this uh, one gentleman uh, shouts out, uh, so I understand you believe in baptism by immersion, and s- uh, turns the hose on him. That didn't last very long, did it? <laughs> you mean the turning the hose on him or what? Or d- just get- getting knocked down so the hose stopped. (laughs) That's right. I mean, he was instant. I mean, it was just like that. Okay, if that's where you're going to be, then this is what we believe. And uh, he made a point there like that and with other people, too, as he reacted to the adversity that was there. Yeah. There are parts in this movie that just rips your heart out. It's, It's tough enough when anybody is basically shunned and just cut out. I mean, even to the point where you need buggy parts. And you have to go to the next town or wherever, another store, to get it because your neighbors just will not even take your, your perfectly good money. So it's tough enough for the father. It's tough enough for the mother. And we're going to be talking with Cassidy, who played the part of, uh, of your grandmother. But, oh, for your mom, Palmyra, t- to watch the scenes of this little girl having no friends and even some of the adults that should have been watching out for her, that should have been at least a neutral person uh, in in her life, it was tough. It w- was it really as tough as and you know TC's great on accuracy, mm-hmm. but was it really that tough on your mom? Uh, it was that tough. Uh, she spoke of it not often, but there are times when she would share stories with us, and uh, those many of those are recorded in the book and in the movie, that uh, the hardships that she faced and the crying because she had no friends and uh, yeah. and uh, petting the dog and being chastised oh, for it. and uh, by an elderly woman. Things. And, yes, and then school being ostracized because of who she was and what she believed. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, yep, it's, it's, an, it's a real thing. TC, I come from a family of educators, as you know. My, my mom, my mother, my sister-in-law, my, my mother-in-law, my uncles, they were all teachers. And I watched that teacher, and I went, oh, my goodness, to, to treat a child that way. How, how do you find somebody and encourage them to act that nasty? <laughs> you know, Do you bring out the nastiness the, in these know, people? You know what, Doug? That is a great story. I'm so glad you thought of that because that actress, Carrie Wrigley, who plays that part, yeah. uh, I did not know this when I cast her, but she as a child was sent with her family to Nauvoo for some church purpose. Mm-hmm. And she went through that same thing in the Nauvoo area. And because of that, she knew how to portray th- that character. She had gone through all of that. It was an amazing a, co- a coincidence. Wow. There is a scene where an event is staged, a fight, where the fighting preacher takes on all comers. And tell us about that from the the writings of your grandfather. How did that come about? Well, it was one of the things that uh, he decided to do as he... Uh, looked at the situation, and uh, he took his skills, and I think the Lord expects us to use skills that we have to try and do the work that we're supposed to do, and so thinking to himself, maybe we could just uh, bring people in. Everybody wants to knock me out anyway, and I'd be happy to entertain that, and so uh, so bring them on, and so they advertised this, and uh, got a time when people would come, and uh, they lined up to fight him, really wanting the opportunity to deck this guy, and uh, he he welcomed the opportunity, and so 
TC portrays beautifully these these fighters, these uh, people in the community that wanted to fight him and wanting to knock him out, and uh, brings them forth into the ring one at a time, and. Uh, he makes quick study of all of them. I like the way he introduces himself. He introduces himself by his full name, and he said, or some of you know me as the idiot Mormon. And mm-hmm. he just takes them all. You talk about how hard Gene Fulmer hit. Holy cow, your grandfather, as portrayed in this movie, I mean, it, with some of these guys, it only took one punch. Well, <laughs> I, I would have hate to have been on the other side of that punch, and sometimes I joke about maybe when we get up there, and if we haven't told this story right, he'll take us into the ring and just <laughs> teach us a little lesson. But uh, that's just the way he was, and uh, and he was he was a great athlete, and uh, and and he used those skills, and uh, he could throw a punch. I think, as we say in the book, he could throw a punch into the next county. I liked when uh, he was stuffing his face with pie in one of the uh, <laughs> the scenes, and your grandmother very delicately suggests that maybe he ought to work out a little bit here and not just take everything for granted. And that's when I think I really got the concept of just how athletic your grandfather must have been. His training in the barn, his workouts, what he did, backflips, you name it, he did it all. He was that much of an athlete. He really was an athlete. In fact, there's a picture in the Palmyra paper, a newspaper, when he's at age 50, it shows him all muscled and uh, chiseled out, and uh, the, the title is it Muscular Christianity. And so he thrived on that idea of uh, taking care of your body. It's one of God's gifts to us, and uh, he he believed that, and he lived that to a T, and uh, and uh, he was very athletic as long as he could walk. I want to introduce our KSL listeners to the woman who portrays your grandmother in this film. Cassidy Huber will be joining us. She plays Rebecca Bean. And then uh, in, a, in our segment following this next one, I'd like to have you back, and let's talk about what happened, what the changing moments were, the kind of those moments where not only did the uh, ice start to crack, but it began to really thaw. So we'll continue with that, and we're going to talk with the uh, actress who plays Rebecca Bean coming up next, Cassidy Huber. The Fighting Preacher, brought to you by Purdy Distribution. Back to Doug Wright on KSL News Radio. Every now and then, when I ask a guest a question, I'm, I'm truly blown away. And I asked this question off the air first when I first met Cassidy Huber. And I said, Well, tell me about your other films. So tell our listeners about your other films. There are none. There are none. I. I couldn't believe it. Honestly, when I watched this movie, I thought, wow, where has she been? I wonder what else she's in. I didn't have a chance to look up your filmography, to go to imdb.com or something or do a Google search. And when when we were also chatting, you said that you were, I'd, I'd never heard this term. I've heard a lot lizard for, you know, car dealers and so on, but I've never heard crew kid. You're a crew kid? I'm a crew kid, yeah. Um, the last five years, give or take, I've been working behind the scenes in art department. Um, on film, so this is my first in front of the camera experience, and it was pretty spectacular. Uh, is film your love? Is that what you want your life's work to be? I do. I really love film. I love the stories behind film, yeah. Um, and even more so, I think noticing relationships, how they're built between you know one human being to the other, are best portrayed in films, and so I really love that. 
You know, we have uh, Rand Packer here, and you're playing his grandmother mm-hmm. in this in this movie. And I can't remember whether it was in the credits or in the end or something, where your grandpa said something about the power of of film and just how influential it could be. TC, maybe I better ask you uh, about that one. That stories told through film and many notable people in history have talked about the power of film and sometimes on the screen you go how could this possibly in any form any venue possibly be told better yeah it's i think the best medium to communicate true human emotion i think is through film so how did you go from a behind the scene tech person crew kid as it were to the the, i mean there are two great stars in this movie and you're one (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I was working on another project last summer, you know, as the crew kid on Art Department, and I had heard through the grapevine that there was this film coming up about to be shot, and I thought, oh, that's exciting. I want to hear that story. And then a few days later, I got an email from TC saying, hey, do you want to come audition for this piece? And I said, yes, Yes. absolutely. Oh, you think? So it was nerve-wracking, you know, jumping into the in front of the camera, but there was no way I was going to let that opportunity go. So. What, what was the most satisfying and the most difficult part of playing this this amazing role in this film? Oh, the most satisfying part. I think it was honestly just getting to know Rebecca as best I could through that script and through this book and the power of her story. We were both in very, I don't want to say similar situations, but we were about the same age and she had just gotten married a few months earlier, as did I. And so I was kind of in that place of in awe and wonder of her story and just excited to be a small part of that, you know. All of the women of that era just uh, have, I mean, to think of just picking up and leaving, you know, which was kind of the norm back then. I mean, my grandpa was called on his mission after he got married and his little baby boy had just been born Mm -hmm. and he left for a three-year mission to, to Germany. And I go, how in the world? But then she announces to her husband as they are arriving that she in in seven months things are really going to change for them and it takes a while for that to finally dawn mm-hmm. on uh, on her husband but one of the saddest and most difficult things for me to watch in that film was her going door to door to door just looking for a nurse or a midwife another woman who would help her give birth to her baby right and i can't imagine the just the sense of loneliness I think she felt was what I was feeling from her at that part in the in the story. Just completely young. She's young. She's early 20s. This is yeah. over the head of, like you said, so many people's heads nowadays, young women. And so to be faced in that situation, but to be so alone, but then at the same time to come out of it with such strength and such faith and right. such hope is what made her just remarkable. Uh, I mentioned that we're going to talk with TC and Rand uh, a little bit more about this and what really changed, but that was a great scene too where there was a resolve that was made within this very small little family that maybe the change had to happen on their end as well. And when your character starts going door to door and helping the, the people that had literally persecuted you, reviled you, turned you away, slammed doors in your face. Mm-hmm. And to watch that, that, that had to be a, a difficult scene to play, but also enormously rewarding. It was the, yeah, the end when, you know, the reconciliation was starting to happen. I, you know, was feeling much better for Rebecca. But, yeah, her 
just resolve to stay so service oriented despite mm-hmm. all of the pain um, is something I personally, I don't know that I have the character to do, you know. Um, it just truly is a testament to her faith in service and her faith in the gospel that she was trying to share and just love yeah. in general, you know. You age 25 years in this <laughs> in this film, and I love the way TC does these shots. Yeah. You'll be on a staircase. Somebody goes up a staircase, and then all of a sudden somebody comes down, and it's six years later. And the, the makeup and the, the – this is one of my favorite times in history mm-hmm. that you are portraying here because we kind of go from the horse and buggy days into the, the, the 1930s, mm-hmm. you know, just prior to World War too, and the fashions that change, the things that change, the vehicles, the mode. For you as a woman, fashion, everything else, playing those roles and playing those eras, what about that? Was that hard for you? <laughs> hard? Absolutely not. No, I absolutely enjoyed that. I loved hair and makeup. It was, you know, coming from behind the scenes. It took a lot longer than I had anticipated. But every girl loves getting dolled up and done up and especially the wardrobe that we used was majority actually vintage from that time period so it had fun like worn stains and like (laughs) you know it just made it feel really authentic and it just brought a whole fun aspect to being able to play Rebecca yeah the even within the home the the portrayal of the kitchen and so on and you know we we all kind of know just what the cooking shows we watch today that wasn't really baked right there on the spot but can you what what would it have been like did you ever kind of wonder when you were playing that role what would it have been like to be a woman and cooking on a stove like this in an environment like this if there wasn't a microwave i don't think i could have done it yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's if it can't be thrown in there for three minutes then i'm out but yeah this the type of woman from back then until now i think has completely changed and i part of me wishes we could go back to that point and kind of get the the feel of really what it is to be a homemaker and it is an art you go into that kitchen and this is a skill and I always Something want to go lost. back in time until I think of going to the dentist, and then I'm done. <laughs> and then I'm done. Yeah. What a pleasure to have the opportunity to chat with you, and I'm so looking Thank forward you. to seeing this movie on the big screen. You did a great, great job. Thank I still you am very in much. awe. I cannot believe this is your first on-screen role. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. Cassidy has been with us. Cassidy Huber. We're going to come back and continue our conversation with Rand Packer and T.C. Christensen. The Fighting Preacher, brought to you by Purdy Distribution. Back to Doug Wright on KSL News Radio. We're back talking about the film that will be released in theaters mid uh, summer, right around Pioneer Day, and it's The Fighting Preacher. Uh, I, I want to play a cut from the movie in just a moment, but since we just had the chance to talk with Cassidy Huber portraying your grandmother, Rand. Yes. And I want to get TC's thoughts on the casting of this as well. But when you saw the the little girl, I think her name was Scarlett, who played your grandmother, and there's your I grandfather played that played your mother. Yes. That's right, Palmyra, and then your your grandfather. How do you feel about these people that have stepped into those roles in your life? Yeah, if I could have chosen them, if I would have known about them, I would have. Cho- I I cannot believe how beautifully TC scripted these characters for these parts and that's always a worry and concern you have with any personal story that's yours is right. how they will be portrayed but I I could not be happier than the portrayal of these three wonderful stars they are just awesome and wonderful 
That little actress that played your mother was yes. incredible. And, oh, and what she went through and when there were finally some breakthroughs, which we'll talk about in a moment. But, T.C., the casting. And you've got to tell us about the fighting preacher himself. Where'd you find him? We put a lot of effort into casting. I, I think if, if we don't have a good cast, it's just like it's right after story. People aren't going to get with it and with the character. So we put a lot of time in. And Dave McConnell, who plays the Fighting Preacher, he has not done much himself. He's was out of acting for a while. He lived in Columbus, Ohio for a while. He reminded me that he and I had worked on a film when he was 18 together. I didn't <laughs> I have to remind TC who I am occasionally, you know. So, Thank you. but Dave stepped up. To, we've got a f- lot of fresh faces in this film, people you haven't seen before, and I with Rand, I think they just do a terrific job throughout the thing, whether it's a major role or whether it's one of the, one of the the uh, secondary roles or some of the real tough guys and gals in this movie. It it really is remarkable. There's some really incredible talent and some great personalities mm-hmm. and and real character look too. I want to play this soundbite because I wanted to get into kind of the moment when, and I'm sure it happened over a period of time, little cracks here, little you know, little progress here and there but there's one guy man i didn't think that uh, your grandparents were ever going to crack this guy and he owned part of the hill camorra listen to this cut hey hey you you those mormons moved into the old smith place we are we just wanted to walk to the top of the hill if that's all right it ain't all right it ain't even close to all right and there ain't no mormon gonna set foot on this hill again Never. I kind of lost count of how many times that guy said never (laughs) and meant it. And then there's a very touching scene later in the movie where he says never with tears in his eyes. And, again, just one example of a great, great character. And maybe let's, let's talk with Rand first on this. How long did it take before real progress happened and we see in the movie where it, it was a phenomenal, although over a 25-year period, change of heart. Well, I, I would think at the very least it was like five years maybe before there's some, seems like there's some recorded uh, softening of, of friendships and so forth. But it was a gradual thing and something I think they faced with some people all the way through their mission. But, mm-hmm. but as a whole, the community seemed to gradually uh, understand that, hey, these people are really nice. Yeah. They're really good. And Rebecca made the statement that at a certain point she said that they had some friends, but the friends did not want to be seen with them. Oh, because oh it, goodness. That, yeah. what that would have done in their standing in the community. Yeah, kind of like uh, don't say hi to me in public. Yeah. Wow, isn't that it? And after all that time, and at the end of their mission, it wasn't 85 years since the Palmyra uh, experience, but you had 25 years to that. It was about 110 years later, and there's still some of those animosities. Was there in your grandfather's writings or in your grandmother's writings or your mother's reminiscence, w- were there epiphanal moments, things where they said, you know, we really knew things were changing when this happened? I think uh, I think as they gradually figured out that it's uh, people began to see that they were really decent people and that they were nice. And uh, I think a lot of this falls upon the shoulders of Rebecca. She's kind of an unsung hero, I think, in all of this. And her uh, 
Relief Society mode, uh, the yeah. blessing that uh, yeah. these wonderful sisters have in the church uh, and her desires to be kind and to be nice and to share and to help people, even though they didn't like her, to help them. It's kind of inherent with Rebecca. And uh, and she, as she learns how to be a missionary and she learns how to represent the Savior and to act like the Savior, I think that rubs off on Willard. And so I think uh, Rebecca plays such a vital role in all of this and mm-hmm. is often maybe in the background of this, and Willard being a great character and an interesting personality, but Rebecca brings that sense of the Savior that is so needed in the lives of people. It was interesting, too, even in the calling that was received by the Beans from the uh, president of the church at the time, Joseph F. Smith. One of the purposes was not just to go back and kind of take care of the Smith farm and revitalize the farm. The idea was to lay the groundwork, if not to actually acquire some of those very historic sites. And that's kind of where the never thing comes in. This guy owns part of the Hill Camorra and, yeah, fat chance. And the other guy who said, you know, yeah, but it'll be a hundred grand, and that's just for a portion of the hill, which, can you imagine what a hundred grand yeah. would have been? It was way overpriced. Yeah. Oh, it really was. I mean, that's a huge, huge amount of money. TC, when when you are steering this, and when you are highlighting some of those moments in the film, wh- what were some of the moments that you felt, as a filmmaker, uh, you have an interesting touch, an intuitive touch, in filmmaking that I've admired, and you spot things that are incredible. How did you choose these epiphanal moments when we start to see as the audience that things really are changing? Well, I think I'm pretty much an everyman, and if things touch me or I find an interest in them, I think it will to other people. And the real moment for me that that happened with this script was when I saw this moment where Rebecca had had a door slammed in her face by a woman that later needed help. And Rebecca came back and offered help to that person who had rejected her. That's Christ-like. Yeah. And, and I just, that, to me, that's like, this is a wonderful moment. I'm going to make sure that's in the film. And then also, you know, I, I don't want to be too hard on those Palmyra residents either because there were a lot of good people there. And I think the Beans learned a lot from those people too. Uh, and as they came, it's a it's a matter of the beans and Palmyra coming together. Mm-hmm. Not so much just that we know everything, and you better start acting more like us. When you uh, talk to your grandparents and your mother about this, uh, we've we've talked about kind of the human side and the human interaction and the human reach outs, compromise, and even some tough moments. What role did the Lord play? in all of this, in the descriptions that you have heard from your family? Well, <clears throat> the Lord played a, a wonderful part of this, I think, as you would know. And uh, um, there are some very special scenes in the movie that are portrayed, and uh, particularly with Rebecca and she being alone and needing the help of the Lord and certain experiences that uh, she had. And, uh, and uh, they, are, they are powerful. She's no good with her fists. Yeah. But she is very good with other things of a more eternal nature. And it has a great impact upon her and upon others. Yeah. As you'll see in the film, I mean, what they feel when this happens. I was deeply touched by a scene where uh, their home, the Smith Farm and the Beans, had quite a reputation. And the missionaries who were standing on the doorstep tell her that, that 
Every missionary knows that in order to get a great meal and great hospitality, you've got to stop by the the Smith Farm. And it was interesting, and I don't know how much TC you want to give away on this, but uh, that was quite a gaggle of missionaries, including uh, someone who later became a prophet within the church. There were some great church, future church authorities that either were missionaries in that area or passed through on the way home. And, we yeah, we deal with that a little bit in the film. Your grandmother's description when they're around the table and they're talking about the hospitality of the home. And she talked about how tough things had been. And one time she, she had uh, almost, well, whether, whether it was a vision or a, just a, an amazing dream, it was a wonderful, wonderful moment. It touched me deeply. Yes, it's a very special part of the movie. And again, TC does a marvelous job in how he portrays yeah, that. Let's talk more about that. Do you want to? Okay. About how I about things so well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd gone That's overboard already. <laughs> DC, sincerely, sincerely, I always love having you on the show. And Cassidy, thank you. She's sitting off to the side right now off microphone, but what a great role. And Rand, thank you for sharing this great story of your family in the book and then allowing it to be made into a thank motion you. picture. And let's remind the book, let's talk about the availability of the book. How do people get the book? It's in bookstores, Deseret Book and all affiliates that way and other bookstores. It sets out there and on on uh, uh, Amazon and so it's certainly available. And the title is A Lion and a Lamb and it's the true story, this is the subtitle, of a young couple's 24-year mission, almost 25-year mission, to return the LDS Church to its birthplace. And TC, remind everybody again when this film is going to be available. Pioneer Day and I want them to know too, it, this Willer Bean was funny. That's one of the things I loved about him. He was a funny guy, and he comes off in the film that way. Pioneer Day. There are some real humorous moments in this film, even when it's very serious, like they can't find a midwife, and all of a sudden (laughs) Cassidy's character just said, well, you're going to have to do it. And I love this line. He goes, well, you're not a cow. (laughs) And the the humor that happens there, because she reminds him that he has certainly helped birth uh, horses and cows in the past and the fact that you can draw humor out of that and leave with uh, such a just a good feel about the movie the fighting preacher thank you so much for joining us tc thank you thank you 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 know cassidy shout out over there thank you for joining us on the program and uh thank you for joining us on this conference weekend thank you thank you